Kia ora. Call Matt Toku Ingoa. Uh, and wow, welcome to this uh, fresh Sunday morning. Um, so, what do you call a belt with a whole lot of clocks on it? A waste of time. <laughs> so hopefully this won't be. Malachi told me that joke, and I thought, oh yeah, it's a good, it's a good opener. Yep, yep. He's actually starting to work out work out jokes. It's a key stage in child development, right? You get that bit where they just say things and then just say something unexpected at the end. And it's like, that's not actually a joke. <laughs> but yeah, so. And then they finally work out. Um, so, Luke. Okay. Just remembering what I put on my slides. Um, so uh, we're going to go on a journey through the book of Luke and James started us off last week with a whistle-stop tour of Luke 1 and 2. Uh, and I'm just I'm having a look at Luke 3. So that's the, the, the text, I suppose, for today. Um, and, and just the quick summary of it is that... Uh, Luke is outlining, the, in, in 1 and 2 and 3, he's outlining the, the, sort of the prophetic origin and, and the messianic origin of Jesus in his birth and his bits of his early life and then his baptism. And uh, I, one of the things I really enjoy about Luke is that he is, um, he's, he's really wanting to ground this story that he's telling in a moment in time, or several moments in time. And, uh, and so, he's, so he wasn't one of the original disciples. He travelled with Paul. And when he was travelling with Paul, he, I, I presume as a part of that, he started hearing these stories. And, he, and, and I, I see him like the investigative journalist, or, you know, in today's day and age, the investigative podcaster who's going and interviewing people and taking notes on what they said. And I can see him interviewing Mary, his, uh, Jesus' mother, and getting the story of Jesus as a boy in the temple, which is just the story prior to this, um, and so forth, and, and, and talking to all of these people and, and pulling together the story. And so I think it's important that we recognise that the, this is a histor- the, the, the gospel of Luke is he's he's basically doing history here uh, and and looking at eyewitness testimony and re- recording it and presenting it and he starts that way he starts he goes in the reign in the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar when Pontius Pilate was governor in Judea Herod tetrarch of Galilee his brother Philip tetrarch of uh, Eutrea, and uh, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Ananias and Caiaphas. I actually think I might have. Yeah, there you go. Um, So this is so this tells us 
There's, there's a particular time here when this was happening. Uh, it's about 30-ish AD. Um, and the other thing it tells us is that this was a time of great oppression. Tiberius Caesar was known for being a, a, a violently oppressive Caesar. Pontius Pilate was known for being a cruel governor of Judea. Uh, and so, and, and the, the sons of Herod, the three mentioned here, Herod himself was known to be uh, a, a very um, violent uh, and oppressive king, and then his sons likewise. Uh, and actually, as it says later on in John, I wasn't really going to dwell on this, in John 9, sorry, not John, Luke 3.19 it says, but when John rebuked Herod Tetrarch because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all, other, all the other evil things he did, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. So, that, you know, someone speaks out against them and he gets locked in prison and later beheaded. So, yeah, so it was a, and then, so there's this, there's this abrupt, a, a, a corrupt, oppressive political regime and there is a corrupt and complicit religious leadership. So it talks about uh, Caiaphas and Annas as the, the religious leaders of the day, and they were also essentially in cahoots with the Romans. They didn't want to upset things. They wanted to retain their power. Uh, and we've, in our home group, we've been going through the book of John, um, Henry's welcome to join us if he wants to know more about it. <laughs> hey, Henry. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's from last night. If you, but anyway, um, but no, <laughs> no. Uh, not at all. Um, <laughs> um, uh, sorry, <laughs> lost my train of thought. Um, no, but in the book of John. There are numerous times when it, when it talks, so we were looking at John 7 last night, uh, on Thursday night, and it talks about the crowd, the people being afraid of the Jewish leaders. It says that a lot in there, right? That people who, were, who thought Jesus might be the Messiah or might be the Holy One of God or, or whatever were afraid to speak out because of the Jewish leaders. So, so there's this, this is the, the, the climate that Jesus is about to launch his ministry into. And I'm sure as we go through the rest of the book of Luke, we'll see more of that. So, uh, and just I just want to jump quickly to the, to the end of it. It has the genealogy of Jesus. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit geek, but not geek enough to really geek out on the, on the, on the genealogies. But the one thing I think is interesting, if, if you look at the, the different Gospels, Mark doesn't include it, right? Doesn't have any genealogy. He just says, here he was, and off he goes into his ministry. Matthew, his uh, genealogy goes back to Abraham because he's proving that Jesus is in the line of Abraham. He's a, he's a descendant of Abraham. Luke's goes back to Adam because he's saying Jesus is the perfect representation of humanity. And if you kind of jump forward to, uh, to Paul and Romans, there's Adam and Jesus is the second Adam. And John, Jesus was the Word. 
and was with God, and that's his genealogy. So it goes back from, from the start of his ministry to the start of the lineage of Abraham to the start of humanity to the start of creation. Yeah, just a random aside. Um, so one of the things I like about this is in the Gospels, you don't really hear much about what John actually taught. John the Baptist, that is. Um, but, but Luke really outlines it here, which I think is really cool. So I want to dig into it a bit. So John came, so John was Jesus' cousin. Uh, from a young age, he grew up out in the, uh, out in the wilderness. Uh, James touched on um, his parents, like Zechariah, having prophecies when, when um, you know, so John, so Zechariah and Elizabeth, is it, was it Elizabeth? Yeah, yeah. Conceiving at a very late age, right? A miraculous conception. And then Zechariah having these prophecies um, over, um, and then all the prophecies spoken over the baby Jesus when he was um, born. And so, but I, I sometimes wonder if um, John and Jesus hung out as little kids. Uh, but I just wonder what that would have been like. But, and so John gets this, as, as it says here, John gets this call of God to become a prophet of God. And in many ways, he's the greatest prophet because what he does is announce the coming of the Messiah. All the other prophets, when they've spoken about this, have pointed to the day when the Messiah would come. One day, this will happen. One day, this will happen. And John says to the people of Israel, Israel, it's happening today. It's happening now. The Messiah is coming. I'm here to prepare the way for him. And that is pretty awesome. What a, what a call to have. Um, so there's these really there's these bits and pieces throughout this that I just want to dig into. So John's back, John goes out, he's, he goes beyond the Jordan River and he's preaching a baptism of repentance. Now, this is, he, what he's preaching here is a baptism of turning away from sin. And he's preaching this to the Jewish people. Now, baptism in this time wasn't a, an unusual thing in the sense that what, would, what, would, what baptism would be used for is Gentile people who want to convert to Judaism would be baptised to wash off the defilement of their paganism, right? To wash off the, the sin of their previous life as a, as a heathen, basically. So what's really unusual about John's baptism and that so many Jews came to be baptised was that in essence, by being baptised in water, they were identifying themselves as being just as defiled as the people they generally thought of as other. Right? So they were identifying with these other people and going, we are actually just as bad as them. So there's this move of God going on amongst the Jewish people at this time. Which is amazing, and they they were 
they were, you know, it says in, in the, the various stories about this, they were flocking out of Jerusalem to go to John and hear his message and hear his, uh, his call to repentance. <laughs> and I, I was torn at the start of this between starting with Malachi's joke or just going, you brood of vipers. Because that's how John starts his preaching. Right? Just, you, know, you can see all these people here going, oh, we've heard about this guy and we really want to hear him speak. And, and, and he, all people come back and say, it's really amazing. And so they're all there, they're all waiting for this baptism. And he gets up and goes, you brood of vipers. And it's like, well, okay. And he's wearing camel hair, munching a locust. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, it's, he certainly pulled no punches. But the thing is, is in his teaching, what he says is don't rest on your heritage. You come out here, you think you've got it made because you're a child of Abraham. Actually, you're no better than anyone else. Get right, because the Messiah is coming. Get yourself right, because the Messiah is coming. And uh, so he says, you know, so you say we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that these, out of these stones, God could raise up the children of Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree. So he, man, he really, he really lays into them. And I wonder, when I was preparing for this, if, he would get up in front of us and go, you brood of vipers, why have you come? What are, you, are you resting on your heritage? What's going on for you? I certainly felt quite convicted by it, thinking about it. And I think, you know, I think this is the thing, is we're all, the difference between us and the people he was speaking to then was that what we have is the gift of the Messiah that has come. He was, telling, he was preparing people for the Messiah. We have the gift that has been given. And um, Luke here records that uh, what John was doing was fulfilling the, Messi- the Messianic prophecy in Isaiah 43. If I probably, I've probably got away from my notes. Oh, yeah, so there's that. No, I went the wrong way, sorry. <clears throat> Yeah, so, and if you, you look at the words of this, if this is John's message, he's not saying to Israel, the Messiah is coming for you. I mean, he is saying to them, the Messiah is coming to you, coming for you. He's saying to everyone and all of creation, the Messiah is coming for you. <clears throat> last line, all people will see God's salvation. And every mountain shall be filled in, every, every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. So this is not a prophecy about the salvation of the people of Israel. It's not a, self, a prophecy about the salvation of people. It's a prophecy about the salvation of all of creation. All of it. And so 
Like one of the things I, I really enjoy about the Gospel of Mark in particular is how clueless the disciples are because it just makes me feel good about myself. Um, and, uh, you know, they just don't get it. They think Jesus is here as this political, you know, he's going to overthrow the Romans. And you see that again and again, actually through all the Gospels. John gets it. The Messiah has come for everything and everyone. So what does repentance look like? So what does he teach, right? He says, don't rest on your laurels. Don't rest on your heritage. Don't rest on the fact that your parents are Christian. Um, don't rest on um, the fact that, you know, just get right with God, be good. Get right with God and walk humbly with him, right? He, he is calling people to see themselves for themselves and see God for who he is and go, what do I do? How do I walk with God? And for him, so he says this, he's, uh, so he, he talks about um, the axe is already at the root of the tree and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown in the fire. So that's pretty full on. And so the people go, what do we do? And he says, well, anyone who has shirts should share them, share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Love your neighbour. And then even, it says, I like it, even tax collectors came to be baptised, right? So for Jewish people, tax collectors were probably the, were some of the lowest of the low because they had sold out, right? They were collecting taxes on behalf of the, the corrupt uh, and idolatrous emperor and his system of oppression. And... What they, could, what they had a license to do was collect the taxes, but also they could make, there was nothing saying, okay, so, I don't know, so you have to give $10 tax, that's what you're, you're accounted for, but actually they can go, no, no, it's 20. And if you, if you resist that, the Romans backing them up will go, pay up. So they, there was this, and we see the story of Zacchaeus, right? He was a tax collector and seen as a thief because he always took more than had been asked for. Although then was required. And so tax, even tax collectors came to be baptised because they're Jewish people and quite possibly they recognised um, their corruption, uh, the ones that came. And so what does he do? He doesn't say, give up your job. Don't go and do that. He just says, have integrity. Be fair. Don't collect more than you're required to. Be honest, be fair, be just. And, and then soldiers. So this is most likely Roman soldiers, Gentiles who have come. So I, I know the, um, they had various guards, like the, the Jewish leaders had guards and things like that, but my understanding is that the oppressed peoples were not allowed to have their own standing armies and their own soldiers. So while I can't be 100% sure, this is most likely Roman soldiers. So in this crowd of Jews who have come out, come out from Jerusalem, there are Gentiles. And they say, what shall we do? So the Holy Spirit 
and God is not just moving in the hearts of the Jewish people, it's moving in the hearts of people to prepare the way for the Lord. And John replies, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Have integrity. Do not use your power unjustly or inappropriately. I think um, for Zoe's benefit, uh, in Micah 6.8, it says this. Has he shown you, O mortal, I didn't write it down, what is good? What does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? That is the repentance John is calling people to. Um, Zoe and I have ended up talking quite a lot about this verse. Uh, just, it's, it sticks with me and it kind of... You know, this is, and this is the same call, actually, that we have. We can do this, right? We can act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. And then we are being just. Um, so John calls people to the integrity of ordinary life. That's, his, that's part of his call to repentance when he says, so people are going to be water baptised and they're going to come out and he's, going to, he, he's saying to them, go and live like this. Live in the way the Lord commanded. He also doesn't say to, the, to the, the soldiers, you can't have this. This is for Jews only. Um, so there's this, it, it's, I can just see him out there, you know, I can picture this. And it, the, the crowds and the people coming and the excitement that people would have because they're feeling the stirring inside themselves and they are then going out to see this guy so there hasn't been a prophet in Israel for a long time excuse me and they're, 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 there's all this messianic expectation building up and then God is working in their hearts going you need to get right and then this guy turns up and goes the Lord is coming he's not just coming someday he's here he's coming now He's already here among us, waiting to be revealed. And so the people go, well, hang on, aren't you the Messiah? And he says, no, don't, don't confuse me with the king. Which I think is the mark of a man who's chasing after God. He has this opportunity for fame, for glory. He's built this following, or at least that's how it would look. But he doesn't say that. He says, I baptise you with water, but one is coming who will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And there's this line that I've always sort of um, kind of gone, well, that's a funny thing to say. I kind of get it. Uh, where he says, John answered them, I, I baptise you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Okay, I'm not worthy to take his shoes off. Whatever. But the, the 
teaching at the time was that a rabbi could pretty much ask their disciples to do anything. But to ask their disciples to untie their shoes was too much. You can't ask them to do that. That's what servants are for. There's all these references in the, in the, in the Gospels to, so John saying, don't, you know, I'm not worthy. So John's saying, I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie his shoes. This is how much greater than me he is. You know, I'm not, I, you know, so all the people listening would go, oh, okay, that's big. And so John, John rightly sees himself and his call in the context of this much bigger story that is going on. And I think it's, again, a nice reminder to us to walk humbly with our God. It's really easy to get a bit full of ourselves at times, um, uh, or even just full of, you know, not, not necessarily full of ourselves in terms of I'm all this with God, but full of ourselves in terms of, oh, yeah, I, I know how to do this. I'm great at this, and I'll be, I'll be the perfect person for such and such, right, whether it's work or whatever. I think we can start to see ourselves um, as the, the, the people at the centre of our lives. But to follow God and to be a part of his story is to see Jesus as the centre of your life. Our fallenness, and um, even though if we know Christ and uh, uh, all our sins have been forgiven, which I'll get to in a minute, um, we are still in that process of being transformed into Christ-likeness. And I know for a fact that my own fallenness often gets in my own way. Um, And God, in his grace, comes back and goes, okay, Matt, okay, who's in charge here? Oh, yeah, you are. Okay, cool, go and do this. All right. So, so I think we can, um, you know, we can see in John's humil- humble walk with God a model for ourselves. Is our life pointing to the... So John's life was pointing to the king who was coming. Is our life pointing to the king who has come, who is and is to come. So, baptism. Jesus gets baptised. So this, oh yeah, talked about that. So Jesus is baptised, and uh, which is actually a really small part of the story here, which, is, which I quite like. I like the emphasis on John's teaching. It's taught me a lot. Um, and... It says, when all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. And as he was praying, this is one of the things you really see in Luke, right? He talks about Jesus' prayer life a lot. So I can see, again, John, I think in the other Gospels, people, you know, there's this kind of thing about John going, who am I to baptise you? But he baptises Jesus and Jesus comes up and I can see him, hands open in prayer, speaking to the Father, and who witnesses to the 
want a better word, the efficacy of, John, of Jesus' baptism? God. The big G. Yep. Yeah, so the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. And there's this audible voice from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now just in that, in that little bit there, there's so much. I could have done the whole thing on all of that. I think one of the things I really like about it, right, is that we, we, our society is very, um, to use a, a philosophical, philosophical term, dualistic. We tend to see spirit and material reality as two different things. And that's pervaded the church, right? And so we tend to think of heaven as this kind of out there kind of place. And spiritual things happen, and then there's this kind of mundane reality here. But that was not the way that the Jews saw the world, and is not the way the gospel and scripture talks about the world. Heaven is all around us. It is a, a reality layered over the top of our reality, like another dimension or something. I don't know. It gets, I can kind of think of sci-fi ways of thinking about it. But So heaven is right here with us. It's all around us. In Revelation, uh, John sees a door in front of him and kind of steps through it. And I don't think he goes anywhere. He, see, he steps into seeing things as they are with the spiritual reality layered over the top of the physical one. Uh, in um, uh, Acts 10, Peter sees a sheet come down before him with all these animals on it and says, eat all of them, right? As a way to say the gospel is for all people, not just for Jews. And the, way, the words that are used there don't speak to some other reality, don't speak to Jesus having some kind of holy picture in his head. It's, he saw it. It appeared in front of him. And here, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, and you know, it looks like that, but it's happening in front of it, in front of John and Jesus, and I reckon the crowd. And then there's an audible voice. Again, I don't think someone spoke, I don't think that was God hearing a voice in his head, uh, sorry, Jesus hearing a voice in his head. I think that was God saying to everyone there, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So, sorry, that was a bit of a tangent. So, baptism. Earlier on, Jesus, uh, John has said, I baptise you with water, but one is going to come who's going to baptise you with, holy, with the Holy Spirit and fire. So, John's saying, my baptism is really only effective as a way for you to show that your heart has been torn and that you realise that you are um, in need of change in your life. But the one who comes will baptise you with the power to change. So I see this as baptism out of, right? So John is baptising people out of their current way of life and challenging them to walk different. But Jesus' baptism is baptising people into the kingdom, into relationship with God, into family, the family of God. And it's all through Scripture, right? We, have a, we are a royal priesthood. We are children of God. 
we too can hear the well done. This is my good, sorry. This is, you are my son or my daughter with whom I am well pleased. Because we are invited into family with God as a part of Jesus' baptism, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't hold to a theology that says you get baptised with water and then at some other point in your walk with Christ, you might have some event where you get baptised with the Holy Spirit. If you come to Christ, you are baptised in the Spirit when you come to Christ. You might have experiences of the Holy Spirit that we would call a baptismal kind of experience, but all believers have the Holy Spirit. It's not something that only a few people get. It's not something for the special people, the pious ones or, or, or the lucky ones. You all have the Holy Spirit in you, with you, all the time. That is the promise of Jesus' baptism. So, uh, for all people. So, uh, A, it's not just for the Jews. As it says in the, in the scripture quoted here, Isaiah 43, and all people will see God's salvation. And also in Acts 10, as I just referred, Peter sees the, um, the, the sheep come down with all the animals on it and, says, and God says, you know, eat of all of them, right? This is the, 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 my gospel is for all people. And then what does he do? He goes to Cornelius' house, a centurion in the Roman army, and baptises them, or, and, and sorry, preaches to them, and they are immediately filled with the Holy Spirit. And while John's baptism and his preaching made people aware of their sin, and he told them, go and sin no more, effectively, or try to, his baptism did not have the power to overcome sin. It was just dunking people in water. And that's all good, right? It's not, I'm not trying to diminish it, because it's a, it was an, an incredible thing for those people. But the baptism of Jesus, when we are baptised in Christ's name, as a bunch of our youth were a couple of weeks ago, they are baptised and all their sin is forgiven. And I, I think for me this is, you know, I'd, I'd been a Christian, I don't know how long I'd been a Christian for, but it probably took about eight, oh, must have been about eight years, six or seven, maybe eight years before I realised what the forgiveness of sins actually meant. That I wasn't just forgiven for my sins when I was baptised. I still remember at Brooklyn Baptist Church, they have a, a baptismal pool thing under the altar. It was freezing. <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> the kids on the other, the other day had it so good. It was like a bath. Man, I was like, whoo, boy, this is going to hurt. And it, uh, and it did. <laughs> um, in more ways than one. Um, but in giving, and, and actually that water baptism was a symbol of the baptism I'd already had when I gave my life to the Lord. The moment I gave my life to the Lord, all my sins were forgiven. Not just the ones that I had done up until the moment I gave my life to the Lord. And, but if, if his death on, and resurrection is, 
effective for what happened when I gave my life to the Lord. It's effective for all of time, right? Because it happened, his death and resurrection happened 2,000 years ago, right? So all my stuff is in his future. And so if it's, if it's effective for any of my stuff, it's effective for all of my stuff and all of yours and all of everyone's. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so good, right? It's so good. I mean, God is so good to us. I'm so, I'm so undeserving of that grace. But Jesus, was, when he was baptised, just as, an, as a side note, you're like, why did he get baptised? Right? If, if John is preaching a, bapti- a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sin and Jesus has not sinned, what, 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 what is going on? So I think in the stuff I've been reading would say that he's not being baptised because he needs to repent of his sins. He's being baptised to identify with sinners because he's going to be taking their place. He has to walk their path and not be tempted. Or not be, sorry, be tempted, but not, because the next chapter is all about temptation. Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> so... Um, wrapping up I think if there's a couple of things to take away from today I would say be thankful uh I, I like to say that there's six, there's two passages and six words in Scripture that sum up the whole gospel. In John 19, Jesus says, "It is finished." And in Colossians 2:13, C, it says, "And be thankful." It is finished. Jesus' baptism, which He gives to us. Because we, uh, because he lived a life among us as the perfect human, the perfect person. Right? If you want to know what the life of a person should look like, look to Jesus. He is our model to follow, and he was tempted in all things, as it says in Hebrews four, but he did not give in. So he knows our situation. He knows, as it says in Hebrews, he can identify with us. And his death and, most importantly, his actual physical resurrection demonstrates that it is finished. It is enough. We don't have to do anything to add to that. We just need to, out of the fruit of that, act justly, do mercy, and walk humbly with the Lord. So his, you know, it's not that we do that to earn his salvation. It's that is the fruit of his salvation. So that's the first thing. It is finished and be thankful. The second thing, you know, looking at the life of John the Baptist, and this is the thing that's challenged me, is what does it mean to walk humbly with the Lord? How do I keep... 
taking myself out of the centre of my life and letting that space be for him. Or taking other things out of the centre of my life, right? The things that I put in there, the things that I worship that are not the Lord, right? That it's easy to get distracted by the things of the world. So how do we look to John as a model who knew that his life, in his life, he was acting as an agent of the kingdom. He was a part of a much bigger story. Whether you are at work or at home or at school or university or whatever, you can walk humbly with the Lord. And it's not to say that we should think less of ourselves and in, in, in a sense, right? I mean, I am saying we should think less of ourselves, but in this, I don't mean we should think poorly of ourselves. God has gifted you. He has made you for these times. He has, he has given you experiences and natural talents and skills and ways of thinking that are uniquely yours and are made for this time and this, this, this world. And you are to exercise those talents and those gifts for his glory. It doesn't mean we all have to work in ministry, right? I mean, I must spend my day job working in an office, but how do I walk, how do I do justice or act justly, do mercy and walk humbly in that space? Sometimes not very well, but, you know, God is gracious and just see the first thing about it being finished and being thankful. You know, I don't get it right all the time. I may, may not even get it right most of the time. But it's a good challenge to go, even when the tough stuff comes and I have to make hard decisions, how do I do these uh, in that kind of way? Um, and we just finished a series on the Holy Spirit. And Jesus' baptism is a Holy Spirit baptism. So... You know, three things, right? It is finished, be thankful. He's done it all. Act justly, do mercy, walk humbly with the Lord. Man, that sounds like a tough ask sometimes. But he has given us the Holy Spirit to empower us to do that. So even in that, he has gone before us and he goes with us and he is in us in whatever it is that we have to deal with. Hmm. So, I think that's it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it'd be good to pray um, and just stand and wait on the Lord for a few minutes. I think if we could, if you could stand with me, if you can, or if you if you want, um, I think about the images that we saw uh, as a part of our communion. And the, those pictures of Jesus on the cross, and I particularly like the Colin McCann one of the empty tomb and the big mountain and the stone rolled away and the light coming out of the tomb. And, uh, and there was one before that of a kind of, um, I don't know, kind of blocky, I, I can't remember, the, I can't really describe it, but it was Jesus on the cross with a crown of thorns. And... and um, I think I just want to spend a moment and just reflect on the 
the first thing. Just, just spend some time with the Lord and thank him for what he has done for you. And then um, I'll pray and then we can wrap up. And if you'd like prayer for anything, so if you want... Uh, for, for any, for say for those things, right? If you want that prayer to be recentered around the fact that He has done it all for you, and that that's, um, that you can sit at the foot of the cross and just be thankful for that, then I'd, be, I'd love to pray for you for that. And if you would like prayer for that, uh, the outworking of right, that, right, doing, uh, acting justly, doing mercy, and walking humbly with the Lord, then I'd love to pray with you for that. And also, um, if you just want a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, and anything else, right? Because it's not like it's a, it's an exhaust. It's a A, B, C, D, all of the above, and anything else. So, um, so if we just take a moment to just wait on the Lord and and thank Him and lay our troubles before Him, um, that would be good. Psalm 71. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked and the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since youth. From birth I've relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me and those who wait to, to kill me conspire together. They say God has forsaken him, pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. 
Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly, God, and help me. My, may my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to, to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. As for me, I will always have hope and I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your glorious deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, deeds yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvellous deeds. Even when I'm old and grey, do not forsake me, my Lord, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things, who is like you, God? Though you have made me see, uh, made me see troubles many and bitter, you restore my life again. From the depths of the earth you will, bring, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honour and comfort me once more. I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing praise to you with the lyre, Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when, when I sing praise to you, whom you, I whom you have delivered. My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long. For those who wanted to harm me, been put to shame and confusion. Oh, thank you, Lord, that you invite us into your family, that you are our strong tower and our refuge, that no one can compare to your righteousness and that you come to our rescue. All of this, Lord Jesus, because of what you did, all of this and so much more is available to us as your followers. Walk with us. Show us that you're walking with us, Holy Spirit, as we go out into our week. Help us to declare your praises and to recall and, and speak of the things you've done for us. Help us to take refuge in you. Help us to know your presence and your peace and your power in our day-to-day -day lives, Lord, as we, as we go about filled with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And praise your name, Jesus. Amen. I hide here under your shade. I'm held here, covered by grace. I lean in as you call me your You are mine.